you have your Bibles this morning, Hebrews 2.17, my hope this morning, I want you to look at three words with me. I want you to notice in verse number 14 of Hebrews 2, He says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Jesus took upon himself a body like ours, flesh and blood. That we could never say he doesn't know what we feel. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. He knows exactly what we feel. Well, you'll notice he says that Through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. You'll notice, if you would, this morning, this word, verse 17, last phrase, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. I know this, none of us, not one person in this room, realizes how ruined we are or were. If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, Old Testament. Isaiah 64. I want you to notice verse number 6. But we all, everybody in this room, everybody including Adam and everybody from Adam to this day, everybody in this room, you're ruined. Notice, but we all as an unclean thing, and notice this next phrase, and all our righteousness says are as filthy rags. Every plate of cookies you fix to give to a neighbor in the Lord's sight. Every time you did something good for somebody, it's like we always have an agenda. I want them to be thankful. I want them to uh, I want to be good to them. I want them to recognize that I, uh, that I, that I, that I. It always seems like there's an angle for us, whether we even realize it or not. Deep down, there's a pride in all of us. And he said, all of your righteousness are as filthy rags to me. Now, those filthy rags were the the rags as a leper would begin to, uh, the leprosy would proceed in his body. Uh, It would become white and kind of uh, pussy. They would wrap it up to keep it from running. Uh, It was a horrible thing. And they would take those rags off and throw them in a pile and burn them. And the Lord Jesus said, all of your good deeds, coming to church, giving money, all the things that you've done, telling someone uh, good things, encouraging people, he said, all of your righteousnesses to me are like those filthy rags I'm going to burn. We're ruined. We've been rejected. He said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. Everyone in this room, we might look at us uh, and then look in the mirror and say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Ruined. All of us. 
And you look at it and you see those filthy rags and it's hard for us to say, you mean, Lord, I'm like that to you? We were ruined, folks. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 16. Now, we're going to come back to this in just a minute, but I want you to see what this ruined nation did to us. Look at Luke chapter number 16. And the whole point of this is to get you to see how great our God is. How much he does love you. Notice if you would. In verse number 23, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. This is the rich man that died in Luke 16. The Bible says in verse 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He could see across into paradise from hell. And he saw Lazarus and he saw Abraham. And he asked for one drop of water to cool his tongue. And notice if you would. Verse 25, but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now thou art, he is comforted and thou art tormented. Now look at verse 26. This is the key. Beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. And folks, that is all of our righteousness. There's a great gulf fixed. You and I cannot get to God with the best that we have. If you take the greatest thing you've ever done and you look at it and say, Lord, will this help me get to heaven? Lord, is this uh, something good enough to to give me a, a restoration to you, a relationship with you? And he'll say, that is like filthy rags to me. Those old leper rags you're about ready to burn, everything you've got, everything you've done, everything you are, you're ruined. And I reject you, all of us. Well, Lord, I've been a pastor for 56 years, a preacher for 56 years, ruined. Well, I was a Sunday school teacher for uh, 30 years, ruined. Nothing you and I have done placates God. Notice, if you went back over, listen, verse Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf. You know, fall is coming and all those trees out there, every one of those leaves will fade, curl up, and fall to the ground. He says, that's you, Pittman. You've done nothing that pleases me. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Taken us away from him. Like the wind blows on those dead leaves and you get them, that wind blows hard and the leaves begin to blow off. What happens to them? They're gone. They deteriorate and go back into the ground. They're ruined. They're good for nothing. And he says, you're like the leaf that's dried up. You're ruined. You've got nothing to offer me. You're like those filthy rags. You're ruined. And folks today, if you and I, all of us in this room, maybe you've been a church member for 50 years or 30 years. Uh, Maybe you say, I'm a pretty good person. You compare yourself to anybody else Everybody is ruined before God. And that's why he said, while we were yet in our sins, 
Christ died for us. It makes no sense that God would let us be cursing and swearing and, and uh, doing the wrong things and, and having a little bitterness in our heart and have a little hatred toward this person and unforgiveness toward that person. And God says, but I still love him. I cannot explain that. And so that's why this next word, we were ruined and rejected, but he reconciled us if we'll let him. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Once you see this verse, Colossians chapter 1. And notice, if you would, we'll see that word reconciled again. And the word reconciled, katalasso, is the word for paying a price for someone in exchange for them. It is is getting somebody out of debt. We're going to look in just a minute. It's being good to someone that doesn't deserve it, has no way to pay their own debt, and their debt's forgiven. Notice, if you would, verse number 20, Colossians 1.20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. And notice in verse number 21, and you that were sometime alienated, when you were born, you're alienated. You weren't before you born, but you were after. From then on, you're ruined. And you that were sometimes alienated, enemies in your mind by wicked works. Now, what you notice, not only were we alienated and wicked and re- ruined and rejected because of our deeds, but take your Bible, keep your finger there, and take your Bible, turn to Genesis 6, 5. Genesis 6, 5. I want you to notice this. Genesis 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man, that's us, was great in the earth. And notice this, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, you and I might say, well, I don't think evil thoughts all the time. What we don't understand is whenever I want to do good for somebody uh, uh, just so that maybe they'll appreciate it, uh, that's not the right reason. I I want to do good for somebody because uh, I want to help them. That's not the right reason. But everything that we do, we do for his name's sake and for his glory. We do things for other reasons, good things. And the Lord said, every one of your imaginations, your goals for your thoughts, evil in my sight. It's not just our actions have ruined us. Our thoughts are ruined us. So what hope have we? That's the reason he said in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, you're without hope. Folks, do you understand the position that we were without God's grace to us? We were ruined, every one of us. I mean, I can't look at you and say, well, I'm not as bad as you. Hell is hell. I'm ruined. And God rejected me, and God's rejected everybody in this room. But I want you to notice this, and I want you to see and understand the degradation in all of our lives. When the imaginations of our thoughts are evil, and God says, 
The Bible says the next verse, it repented God that he made man. Oh, I'm sorry I even made Dave Pittman. How much more ruin can you get than that? When somebody's wished you weren't even in existence. But then God said, they have no hope. And the love of God in his heart caused compassion. And he looked out and he says, but I love Scott. But I love David. But I, I love James. And God, in his great wisdom, looked around and says, what can I do to buy him back? To get him reconciled to me, what can I do? And he looked at the streets of gold and the gates of pearl, and he, and he looked at the stars that he had put there, and he said, no, and no, and no. And he looked at beside him, and his son was sitting there, and he says, he's the only thing that can redeem him and reconcile him to me. Son, would you go buy back Dave Pittman for me? There must have been angels in heaven said, no, not Jesus. And the God, the Father, and the love in his heart, will you go, son? And Jesus says, I'll go, Father. I'll take Dave Pittman's sin upon my shoulders. Of all the things that Jesus endured on the cross, of all the things that he endured during those 33 years, walking into Samaria and him saying, get out of our country. We don't want you here. And his disciples, let's bring fire down from heaven. Not Jesus. Don't, don't you understand? I came for this. Every time the old devil threw something at him, it was like, it's okay. I came for this. They took him and all of his disciples, his best friends in the world, forsook him and fled. And Jesus said, I came for this. And then they took him and Different trials, three of them, rejected him. You don't deserve to live. This is the one who came to reconcile us. But we didn't see it. And he's guilty of what? Healing people, raising the dead, stopping the storms to spare people's lives, loving people that don't deserve to be loved. He's guilty. And so they hung him up and whipped him with a cat of nine tails within an inch of his life. And he said, this is what I came for. Then they hung him on the cross. This is what I came for, struggling to breathe. But you know, none of that really mattered to him as much as this one thing. All of a sudden, God the Father placed all the sins of the world, all of your filthy rags on his shoulders. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the worst thing ever happened to Jesus. And God the Father had to do this. I can't look at him. He's become sin. For God hath made him to be sin for us that knew no sin. 
and the earth turned pitch black for three hours. And I'm wondering what in the world Caiaphas thought. And I'm wondering what uh, all those uh, religious leaders thought. What's happened? God can't look on his own son because of you. And then Jesus, hanging on the cross at the very end, said, It is finished. And the light came back on. And God said, Debt paid. And then he began to offer to J.D. the gift of eternal life. Full restoration. We were ruined. He said, I'm going to reconcile them back to a complete restoration. And so now everybody in this room, you can be restored like the day Adam was built. Created out of the ground. Perfect relationship between him and God. They walked in the cool of the evening. And that's why Jesus died was to reconcile everybody in this room, every woman, every man, every child. You were ruined. If you understand, if I can understand, and I pled to the Lord, Lord, help me to be able to get these folks in my own heart to understand the ruination of my own life because of my sin. And the love of God to look all throughout heaven and pick the greatest treasure to reconcile me. And then he says, now, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, my son, shall be saved. If we confess our sins, he said, I'll save you. Without believing that heart, confess your sin, I'll save you. Today, don't anybody in this room miss heaven because of what Jesus done for you. It's criminal. It's adding sin upon sin. It's adding dead leaf upon dead leaf. To let him, the greatest treasure of heaven, die for you and you to reject him. You can't do that today. If you don't know Christ this morning, I'm pleading with you. Come to this altar. Come to me. Let me help you receive the payment Jesus made for you. And you can be restored. That's what church is about. That's why we sing. That's why the orchestra plays. That's why we build buildings. It's to make it comfortable for people to come and maybe somehow God can get a hold of our hearts and make us realize I was ruined. I've been rejected by the God of heaven and he's already given the greatest treasure of heaven to bring me back to reconcile me. What will I do? Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace, Job said. You know, I sat in a service like this and said no for I don't know how many verses because I was scared of what people might think. Why didn't I think of Jesus? What does he think? But I didn't. I couldn't even be saved good. I still wasn't thinking clearly. 
until I stepped out in the aisle and said, Lord, I don't care anymore. I just want you to forgive me. That is when reconciliation happened. I want you to notice something. Restoration. Now, once he's restored us, we are in his good graces. We are his child. As many as received them, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So you can be born again into God's family. You know who coined the term born again? Jesus did. You're born the first time, uh, April 3rd, 19 whatever, or 2000 whatever. You're born the second time when? It's a second birth. And folks, today, I want you to understand this. The greatest treasure in heaven died for you. I can't explain why. I can't explain a love like that. But now, since you've been restored, let me ask this question. Will you be renewed into his image? You've been restored. You can walk with the Lord now. You can walk with the Lord in the cool of the evening. But the question is, will you? There's nothing between you and the Lord. All has been paid for. The debt is done. But now every day from there on, we want to live a renewed life. I want to keep the sins that I commit. Now remember, he said there's no more offering for sin because of the one Jesus paid. It's all paid. Past, present, and future. It's all paid. So I walk in the grace of God day by day, but do I want to be renewed into his image? Do I want to become like Christ? I've been restored to the ability to walk with God and to kneel at his feet, and he won't reject me. He no longer sees my sin because it's gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far I've removed our transgressions from us. I don't understand how God's done it. I don't understand his great love. But I know he's done it because he promised he had done it. And I've sensed this morning a peace in my heart. Now, if you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1 and notice verse number 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, he brought the hand of God and the hand of man together and said, Now, You can have fellowship. Been restored. I've got a new life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I've got a new life. I've got a a life in this world that I can renew my life into the image of Christ. I can be like Christ in one second past death. I'm with him forever. But most Christians are not renewing their life. They're rejoicing in their liberty. <clears throat> my wife does something. I can yell at her or be mean to her, my husband. I can give him the silent treatment. I can, uh, I can do whatever I want to to him, and, and I can still go to heaven because my debt's paid, and that's true. Just like children can disobey their parents and still be their parents' kids. We have a Father in heaven that gives us the gift of eternal life, and it's just that. It's forever. 
But I would think after God the Father turned down the stars and the, and the diamonds and the gold and the, uh, on, the, on, the, on the, uh, the streets of heaven and the silver and the, I mean the, uh, the diamonds and the emeralds and the walls of heaven uh, and that new city, uh, and he only chose his son, I would think we would say as God's children, I want to be like him. I want to be forgiving like he's forgiving. I want to be loving like he's loving. So that's why everybody in this room has to make a choice. I want to be renewed. I want to become in Christ's image. We've been studying that on Sunday night, the renewing of our lives for Christ. Notice in chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God after having paid our debt of sin when we were totally ruined. And we look at him, how can we dare say with his scar, our scars on his forehead, our scars in his hands and say, you're not really worth living for. I got better things. I cannot imagine that. If you've been risen with Christ, Seek those things which are above. Number one, Jesus Christ. How can I please you? How can I be like you? That ought to be every Christian's goal, to be renewed in the image of Christ. Now, if you'll notice in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, this is Colossians 3, 1, Set your affections on things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Uh, set your, you know, seek those things. And then verse 2, set your affection on things above. What do you love? Part of renewing your life is loving the right things. Well, I, I love certain things in this life, but I have to put them second to Christ. So, you know, let me, let me tell you, this is really stupid. I love sports. I mean, I love sports. I used to watch football so much and watch it so avidly that if my team didn't win, it wrecked my heart for the next day or so. Too much love. If the, if the Redskins or the Commanders ever beat the Cowboys, it ruined my year. I came here 34 years ago, and in the 33rd year, first year, the Redskins were in the Super Bowl, had a great team, Joe Gibbs, and they were, I think, 15-1. and one. And the only team they lost to were the 1-15 Cowboys. All is well. I could come back to church. You know what? I realized I love things in this life too much. So I stopped praying for the Cowboys. They got to win on their own. I stopped praying for athletics. I started loving the things he loves. I don't think the Lord cares who wins the Super Bowl. I don't think he cares who wins the World Cup or the Ping Pong World Championship or the Pickleball Championship or the Tiddlywinks Championship. I don't think he cares. You know what I think he cares about? 
do we love? Because that's the only thing you can take to heaven with you. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. That is what helps renew a Christian. Now, I want to close with this little illustration. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I love this story. Almost brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. In verse 1 of 2 Samuel 9, David, King David now, asked the question, is there any of Jonathan's family that's still alive? Now, that question would strike fear in everybody in Jonathan's family. You want to know why? Because every king that became king tried to seek out, find, and destroy all the potential suitors of the kingdom. So Jonathan was the king's son, Saul's son, and so all of his children would have been in line to be the new king. David was made king by God himself. And so David asked the question because he loved Jonathan. They were best friends. He loved Jonathan. He wanted to do something for Jonathan. So notice what he says in verse number one. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? For Jonathan's sake, nobody believed that. Look over in verse number, verse number seven. And David said unto him, fear not. After he found Mephibosheth and brought him to the palace, Mephibosheth is scared to death. He looks at him and says, don't be afraid. And Mephibosheth said, I guess you can say that, but I'm still scared to death. Now, you know why? Mephibosheth was ruined. He was dropped as a child. He was a cripple. He couldn't farm. He couldn't do anything. People had to take care of him. Handicapped people in this day were ruined. Notice, if you would, verse 3. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him? Nobody believed it. Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan had yet a son which is lame on his feet. I think he wanted him killed. If you remember later on, he took over all that Mephibosheth had and lied about Mephibosheth. He was hoping the king would kill him. And notice, if you would, verse 5, then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of my cheer. Notice, if you would, verse 6. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. He's terrified. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered and said, Behold thy servant. Watch this. David said unto him, Fear not. Mephibosheth deserved to be destroyed. At this moment, he's ruined forever. And the king is about ready to eliminate all competition. But something wonderful happens. Notice what he says. Uh, Verse 7, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. And God the father said, I'm surely going to show David Pittman kindness for my son's sake. And crippled and broken as I was, he elevated me. Notice if you would. In verse number 10. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring him the fruit that the master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, 
Thy master's son shall eat bread always at my table. Do you realize that's what God's done for me? Dave Pittman's always going to eat at my table. But I don't deserve it. I was ruined. You can eat at the king's table too. But you've got to say yes. Ziba said unto the king, according to all that my lord and the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. That happened to everybody in this room. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. As many as received them, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. God made you a child of God and said, eat at my table for all eternity. Now, why wouldn't I want to do everything the kings asked me to do? I want to encourage you, Christians, renew your heart. Set your love on things above, not on things of this earth. Let him make you in his image. Let's bow our forward of prayer. As the penis come to play, maybe this morning the Holy Spirit helped you to see that you were ruined. But God loves you. Maybe you're here today and you need to trust Him as your Savior. Could I plead with you to come? Come as I did 56 years ago and put your faith and trust in Christ. Ask Him to forgive you. He will. I know there's people in this room that are lost. Because I've heard it. I've heard you say it. I pray for you. Would you please come and trust him this morning? You're like a leaf that's already faded. Don't let the wind remove you forever. Come trust him today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've trusted Christ, but I love the wrong things. I know. Maybe you're here today and you say, I've got someone that I love that loves the wrong things. I want to come and pray for them. I want to pray, Lord, that you would give my son, my daughter, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin a second chance. Could I encourage you? Would you come? Kneel at this altar. It's a place where God is. And he's waiting on you. Lord Jesus, speak to hearts this morning. You're worth it beyond all measure. In your name we pray. Amen.